jumper on the way. Good! Tyus Battle nails the three! Dungey leaps and into the end zone for Dungey. A touchdown! If that's not on every highlight show tonight, then I, I don't know who's watching. Howard soaring through the air! High flying Slovakian! Screen pass here, he'll get one. And he stays alive, and he's got room to the 10. One man to beat, he'll do it. Touchdown, Syracuse! And for Syracuse, party time. The upset, pulled by the Orange. They defeat Clemson 27 to 24. The penetration, step back. Oh, a pressure bucket for Tyus Battle. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Powered by Drivers Village and Hummel's Office Plus. Welcome in, welcome aboard. Seth Goldberg with you here, flying solo on a Friday afternoon. We're taking you up until 2 o'clock on ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1 ESPN Syracuse.com and the ESPN app. You can also check it out if you want to watch me. I don't, I don't know, a wave. Hey guys, check it out on Facebook Live, ESPN Syracuse on Facebook. We'll have Steve Andrews coming up at 1.30 to get you ready for the Fantasy Football Weekend. We will have Julian Wiggum at 12.30 to get you ready for the Syracuse Football Weekend and Syracuse on the playing field against Wake Forest. And that's where we're going to start. We're going to start with Syracuse and Wake Forest. And feel free, if you'd like to join us, 315-437-7644, the number to chime in. But I look at this game. I look at Syracuse, I look at Wake Forest, and I say, you know, Wake Forest has a nice offense. Wake Forest can put some points on the board. Wake Forest has a nice running game. That could be problematic for this Syracuse team that has struggled against the run for the back half of the season as the defense has started to fall apart a little bit. They've struggled in that area. And I look at Wake Forest and I say that, okay, nice offense. Their defense is is just atrocious, but nice offense. And I still come away thinking, this game comes down to what Syracuse does or does not do. This game does not come down to something that Wake Forest does tomorrow afternoon. This comes down to what Syracuse does or does not do. Because Syracuse's offense should, should be able to run through Wake Forest's defense. Should be able to run through Wake Forest's defense like it's nothing. Like a hot knife through butter. Wake Forest allows 37, 38 points per game and has routinely gotten torched. So Syracuse's offense should show up. Syracuse's offense should have a fantastic game. They should be putting points on the board. They should be running up and down the field. They should be breaking the scoreboard, keeping the scoreboard operators busy. This should not be a question. And so it comes down once again to the Syracuse defense. It comes down to whether the defense can make enough stops. They don't have to hold Wake Forest to 14 points. They don't have to hold Wake Forest to 24 points, but they've got to make enough stops. That's all they did against NC State. They just, you know, made enough stops. Made stops when they needed to. Held NC State down in the first quarter. Got an interception at the end of the game. Next thing you know, Syracuse has a 10-point win. 
You don't have to stop them every single drive. And I think that that's what we need to recondition ourselves to. That's what we need to recondition our football minds to. This system, more than anything, more than fast, more than spread the ball around, this system is meant and designed to outscore your opponent. This system is meant and designed to just kind of run through and over people. And score more points than the other team. That's what you're supposed to do here. And we've seen that Syracuse can do that. They outscored Western Michigan. Their defense locked down against Wagner, against Florida State. They, you know, the defense was all right against UConn, but Syracuse really outscored UConn too. Syracuse outlasted UNC. Syracuse outscored NC State. This system is about is about getting the ball enough times that you can run down the field and you can score points. And whether that ends in a touchdown or a field goal, you've got to get points. You've got to go down and get points because at the end of the day, that's what matters. Your defense might allow yardage. Your defense might allow points. Your defense might not turn over the ball. But on the other side, you've got to score. And we're seeing that now more consistently than we have at any point during the Dino Babers era. They're averaging 43 points per game. They've scored on 58% of their possessions. And that's the key number. Because that number is the best in the country. 58% of their possessions have ended in points. And obviously, I state the obvious here by saying that's the best in the country. Another team's not matching it. But isn't that the whole goal of this thing? The whole name of the game, the whole name of the game is to have more points under your name at the end of the day than there are under the other team's name at the end of the day. And if you are scoring on 58% of your possessions, the other team's not going to have more points than you. Even if they're scoring on... 40% of their possessions, which would be an incredible number. That opposition is not going to score more than you. And so I think that, first and foremost, is, is the basis of this system. That's why you go fast. You do it to create more possessions for yourself. You do it to create more opportunity to go score. And the thing that we did not see over the first two years of this system that we are seeing more and more frequently and more consistently this year is that those drives are ending in points. Dino Baber's offense, led by Eric Dungy, led by Tommy DeVito, whoever has been back there, more often than not, are ending in points this year. That was not the case last year. That was not the case in year one. And so you can look back at the last two years and say, ah, the defense, the defense, the defense. And the defense wasn't good. Don't get me wrong. 
The defense was bad. The defense got worse at the end of seasons. But the offense wasn't doing what it is intended to do and what we are seeing now. And that is score on nearly 60% of their possessions. That is go down the field and at the very least get some points on the board. Put yourself in a position to get seven. Put yourself in a position to get three at the end of a drive. And if you can simply score enough times, you're going to outlast your opponent. So if you sit back and you're a Syracuse fan and you look at the game against NC State and you say, well, you know, they they let up those 41 points. That might be problematic. I wouldn't necessarily disagree with you. I wouldn't necessarily disagree that allowing 41 points is problematic, that you don't necessarily want to allow 41 points. However, the name of the game is put more points on the board than the other team. And this Syracuse offense, running at the capacity that it is running right now, with an Eric Dungy who got a kick in the ass and showed it last week against NC State, this offense, as it, as it runs right now, can put up 45 or 50 on any given day on any given team. Maybe outside of, like, Clemson and Alabama. So, yeah, giving up 41 is not great. But it's not something I'm worried about. Because I know this offense can score more than 41. I know this offense can go and outscore you. And that's what I expect tomorrow. Matt Colburn might have a fantastic game for Wake Forest. He might run through Syracuse's defense. He might get 200 yards on the ground. But I expect Eric Dungy to have a counter. I expect Taj Harris to have a counter. I expect Jarvian Howard, Mo Neal, to have an answer for that. And I expect this Syracuse offense to go out there and put 45 points on the board. Because that's what they've done this year. When you're a team with the ability to score 43 points per game, which is what Syracuse has done, 43 points per game, you don't worry so much about what's going on on the defense because you know the offense is going to have you in every game. You know the offense is going to have you there. It's going to put you in position. The defense, let's be honest, the defense just has to keep you close enough in case you fall behind. The defense just has to do a good enough job in case your offense isn't the one that scores first. And even as we've seen at times this year, this offense can strike quickly. Doesn't necessarily matter how much this offense is trailing by. Pittsburgh trailing by multiple scores before they come back and tie it to go to overtime. UNC in the Dome trailing by multiple scores before they come back, tie it, go to overtime. This offense is quick strike and fast acting. And it doesn't necessarily matter if you fall behind. You just need to make sure you don't fall behind by too much. And that's the defense's job on this on this team. The defense's job is not to pitch a shutout. 
This is not Kentucky. This is not a top 10 team that is carried by their defense that has no offense to think of. No, no, not in the slightest. This is a top 20 team. On the rise, I should add, but a top 20 team that is carried by its offense, whose defense just has to be good enough, whose defense quite literally just has to hold the other team's offense to whatever the number is that Syracuse has. Whether that's 35, whether that's 25, that's all this Syracuse defense needs to do. Tomorrow, that number might be 45. That number might be 50. But I don't get worried when I look at the yardage totals. I don't get worried when I look at the points per game numbers of this Syracuse defense. Because I know that this Syracuse offense has the ability to answer. I know that this Syracuse offense has the ability to punch back and has the ability to outscore any given team on any given day. Why do I know that? Because we've seen it. Because we've already seen it this year. When in four of your six wins, five of your six wins, you've simply outscored people. You've simply got into games where you know, you're kind of running up and down the field and you just outscore people, that's proof for me four times out of the first eight weeks. This offense is not to be messed with. This offense makes it so that you don't worry about the defense too much. This offense is flat out just really good. And it makes life a lot easier for a defense that, let's face it, isn't all that good. But just like the NC State game last week when they gave up 41 points, you've just got to get timely stops. Got to turn over NC State at the right op- at the right time in the game. And again, if you're going to score on nearly 60% of your possessions, if you're going to put the ball in the end zone or through the uprights on nearly 60% of your possessions, The defense just has to be serviceable. Just serviceable. And so far, that's what Syracuse has done this season. Their defense has just kind of been there. It's it's been on the field. Nothing to write home about. But it's won them six games. So far, it has gotten the job done. And I think it will continue to because I think this offense is good enough to make that defense look better. 315-437-7644 is the telephone number to call. Let's take our first time out. We will have Julian Wiggum coming up in about 14 minutes here on ESPN Radio. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. We are brought to you by the Bill Rapp Superstore at the corner of Thompson and Burnett in Syracuse or online at BillRapp.com. We're rolling till four. We got about 15 minutes until Steve Andrus joins us here to get you ready for the fantasy football weekend. We will get to today's business. We will get to our NFL picks. But first, 
Let's hit the phones. We've got Wayne in the truck. Wayne, what's on your mind? How are you? Hey, not too bad. Hey, I think you're touching on it, but I think you're a little wrong. It's more than just about a win. I'm sick of hearing that Syracuse is a good team, but they ended in the top 25 because the bottom nine, nine of the bottom 11 teams lost last week. Let's go out. Let's handle a team that we should handle. And every time they catch the win, we punch them in the gut. And they catch the win, we punch them in the gut. I don't want to play another North Carolina State game where it comes down to the end. I want a comfortable win where I'm not jumping out of my seat only for excitement. You know what I mean? We should win by 14 to 21. We get up early on them in the first. Ooh, we got a whole page. We can't let them back in it. This is the time to make the statement that we are where we belong. And we are who we hope we are. Yeah, Wayne, I'm I'm with you. I, I like that call a lot. I, I think that they will win by 14 to, to 21. I, I think that they will win by multiple scores. And, and to your point, uh, they haven't had a comfortable win in a while. Uh, you know, they haven't they haven't had a comfortable game. Forget comfortable win. They haven't had a comfortable game either way in a while. Uh, it's been really since the UConn game. Uh, so yes, you want you want to go out there and look good. You want to go out there and win convincingly and and win by the multiple scores that I think you can win by. Uh, but at the same time, if you don't and you just win, at least you at, at least you just won. Um, you know the the worst case scenario here is losing. Uh, you cannot afford to lose this game. So I, I don't necessarily care if it's uh, style points and flash or if it's squeaking by. Obviously, you prefer it to be style points and flash. You desert, you you prefer it to be uh, getting out there and getting big time win. Um, and I think Syracuse will do that. But I, I guess I was just saying that the, the alternative isn't terrible. <laughs> you know, the alternative isn't the worst thing in the world um, as long as I think you win the game. Uh, let's fly through our picks here uh, before we get to today's business. Steve out today, but he gave me his picks yesterday. Uh, he has Syracuse taking the six points. They are favored by six points. Um, I've got that too. As I said, I, I think that Syracuse... Um, is better than Wake Forest. I think Syracuse is significantly better than Wake Forest, and I I think that that will show on the field tomorrow. Uh, For the Bills game, Bills, Bears, Bears are 10-point favorites. I think the Bills are just not good, so I'm taking the Bears minus the 10 points. Uh, Steve is taking his Bills. Uh, He went with with Florida State against NC State uh, plus 9. Uh, for my first wild card, I went with the Kansas City Chiefs. They're somehow only an eight and a half point favorite over the the, the Cleveland Browns, and so I took Kansas City. Uh, we both picked Michigan State and Maryland. We both take Michigan State because uh, that's just a mess down at Maryland, and and I don't see how they would uh, they would win that game or cover the two and a half. Uh, Steve's last pick: Saints and Rams. He's got the Saints minus a point, favored by a point. Uh, I've got Houston at Denver. I took Houston plus a point. I think the Texans. Are, uh, are really on right now, and, and they're on a really good roll. Uh, reminder for the season, Steve, 19 and 21. I am 24, 15 and 1 on the year. Don't know how I did that, but I have. Uh, let's get to today's business. Our take on the day's top stories. It's today's business on Orange Nation. All right, we got Tommy Hogan here in studio with us. Uh, Tommy, what do you have on tap? Well, I just want to say that was a nice humble brag you had there at the end. Uh, with that I don't picks. know how I that, that well, I threw that, the record in. Yeah, you threw the record in. Just a little <laughs> uh, little humble brag. Steve would probably a reminder that I'm five and a half games up on him. Yep, he's probably not listening, so you're doing it a little behind his back. But it's nice. It's a, it's a, Even if he is listening, it's fine. Sure. No, I know. Um, so Magic Johnson, he met with Luke Walton on Tuesday after the Lakers had lost two games in a row on the road. Uh, 
and he apparently was not too happy with Luke Walton, basically scolded him. Uh, the words that ESPN is using is admonishing and chides with him. Um, they're three and five. Does is Mag- and LeBron has a history of starting slow with new teams. Does Magic just not have the the patience that he should, or does he have a right to be upset right now? Um, I I think it's a mix of two things. I think he wanted to get rid of Luke Walton last year, and he wasn't allowed to. Um, I, I think that he would have gotten rid of Luke Walton last year had Jeannie Buss been okay with it, but Jeannie Buss was very much uh, in Luke Walton's corner, if you believe the reporting that was out there last year. Remember, they did not hire Luke Walton. That is not a Magic Johnson, Rob Palenka hire. They inherited him. So I think that they wanted to get their own coach in there uh, beforehand. Uh, now that they have LeBron James, they thought that was a, a, a cure all. That was a sure. you know a, a fix to the solution of being bad, and which it is. It is. It is. Except for what they surrounded him with. Yeah. And I know that if you look at what the Lakers were last year, and and if you look at what the Cavaliers are this year, because the Cavaliers are essentially the same this year, just they don't have LeBron. Yep. Uh, and. And the Lakers are pretty similar. I know they've got more placeholders, more veterans, uh, but you can get an idea. Uh, The Lakers last year are significantly better than the Cavaliers will be this year. Uh, So you would think that maybe that transition would be all right, and they would still be a playoff team, and they would still be all right. The the thing that I, I would say, though, I don't think this team is built very well. I don't think that this Lakers team... Um, is a good team. I think that the the veterans they brought in don't don't work, don't fit, are are too much a, a cast of characters more so than a good basketball team. Um, you know, nobody looks at uh, Lance Stevenson, Javale McGee, and and Rajon Rondo at this point and says great basketball players. You you look at them more so for uh, the characters, for the blowing in in LeBron's ear <laughs> by Lance Stevenson for. Uh, you know, running down the court the wrong way on a, a rebound that your own team got. If you're JaVale McGee for, for just creating problems, if you're Rajon Rondo, I think that the Lakers just did a bad job of building a placeholder team. I understand why they did it. I get it. There's a free agent class this year that includes Clay Thompson, Kevin Durant, uh, Kawhi Leonard. You wanted to keep your options open. Awesome. It makes total sense to do that. I think they filled the roster with the wrong people, and now you're going to blame that on uh, on Luke Walton. I don't think that's right. I don't think that's fair. I just don't think this team was built very well. So you couldn't realistically expect more than a four or five seed, and you have to know that LeBron gets off to these slow starts when he switches teams. Besides signing LeBron James, the Lakers really did have a, a weird, and I know they had a, a very weird, say, very strange, not so off, good offseason. Yeah, yes. they really did. They didn't. On a team that LeBron James is on, you're supposed to get shooters around him. Well, and, I, and I, see, here's the thing. Because he's I your playmaker. But here's the thing. I understand why they did what they did. I, I understand what they were going for, which is in Cleveland when LeBron was not on the floor or in Cleveland, players around LeBron didn't know how to do anything except shoot. And they couldn't create for themselves. They couldn't create for somebody else. So I, I understand the idea here of saying, hey, we're LeBron, we're going to play with you differently. We're not going to make it so that you have to be the guard, the lead player on this team at all times, because let's face it, he's 30, what, 34 years old coming up in a month? Yes. And and so he's this is going to be him aging, and he's not going to be able to do that, or I should say he shouldn't be able to do yeah. what he did in Cleveland for four more years. So I understand what they were trying to do. I understand what they were trying to build. I, I Again, I don't think they got the right players in there to yep. go do it. 
Um, and again, there's a reason why those guys are available for one year deals. Uh, you know, it's <laughs> sure. they weren't going after the the better free agents outside of a Paul George. Paul George would have been a fantastic fit. Can create for himself. Can create for others. Can be a spot up shooter. Is a really good defender. Yeah, like that kind of player is a really good fit. Clay Thompson, if he's a free agent this offseason, would be a great fit. Kevin Durant, uh, Kawhi, Kawhi Leonard, yeah. like those are the guys that they want to get. They just went like bargain bin hunting. And got the bad versions yeah, of them. Yeah, they, they had a weird offseason. And I know next offseason is where they're supposed to or want to add another star to go alongside LeBron. But like you said, they added weird placeholders in in, in this one year but before they had another right. star. I just don't think they added the right players on one-year deals. Do you think this Lakers team, though, is better than the Cavs team he had last year? Because they still do have Lonzo Ball, who's a good young I think player. Generally, Kyle Kuzma yes. is a really good young player. Brandon Ingram is a really good young player. Josh Hart looked really good Josh, this year. Sure, I, Josh I, Hart. I think that generally, yes, I, I really do. I, I think that generally the collection of talent that the Lakers yeah. have right now is better than what the Cavaliers had last year. Um, you know, it, it doesn't compare to the Cavaliers team that had Love and Kyrie on it. No. But I think it does compare to what they had last year. Yeah, and it's weird. It's weird saying that since that Cavaliers team got to the finals last year, but they they weren't very good in the regular no, they, season. They weren't, and and look at them now. It it is essentially the same team. Yeah, yeah, it really it is, is. It is more or less the same team right now, and and they are terrible. One in seven, I believe they are. Yeah, and, and, and they look and they look worse than one in seven. Talking about head coaching. It's Tyron Lue going to the Lakers in the offseason? Is LeBron going to get Tyron Lue over no, there? No, I don't. No, I don't think so. I I think that. I don't, I he's think on the that market gonna, though. Uh, yeah, I get that, but I I think that they're gonna. I think Luke Walton's gonna end up sticking. I really do. I think he's a good coach. I think he should. I think he's a good coach. I think it makes all the sense in the world to keep him. Um, I think there's got to be an adjustment period. Sure. Uh, John Gruden. He said after the Raiders blowout loss to Nick Mullins led San Francisco 49ers 34 to three that they are still on track of building a championship team in Oakland. He also had made some comments earlier in the week that players are dying to play for the Raiders, which I don't know what he's talking about there, but John Gruden, he seems to, whenever he's opening his mouth lately, it's just not great content for him. It doesn't. It's not a great look for him at all. No, it's not. On uh, and off the football no, field. I, no, Gruden's got to just be quiet and go away for a little while, yeah. and, and that's hard to do, but maybe, maybe, maybe be smarter about what you're saying. Um, I think it's hilarious. Look, I, I I did not think this was a good idea to hand him $100 million and the key to the car. It was a legacy the car. It was. And and the funny thing is that the legacy isn't that great. Uh, he he was a, a mediocre coach who got a Super Bowl with somebody else's players. Yep. And then uh, was an okay television analyst for a decade. The Raiders traded him, wasn't. right? Or uh, they yes. traded for him? No, they traded him. They traded him away. Uh but but look, he was a he was a very mediocre coach with a terrible draft record. He was an okay television analyst for a decade, and for whatever reason, for for a decade, for every single year yeah. that he was in the Monday Night Football booth, the hype got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, and, and he got farther and farther him, away from the exactly. Game. And people wanted him more and more, despite the fact that, as you mentioned, Tommy, he was further away from the game, further removed from what they're doing now, and and. I, I am shocked. I, I can't believe that this didn't work out. I mean, it's it, it was one of those moves that you could see coming from a mile away. But one you can seven, see this. Did you, you can, see this bad? You could see spectacular failure on this move a mile away. I don't know that I thought they would be this dysfunctional yeah. and and that they would look this bad. But I I you could have seen three and thirteen coming. 
Growing pains, understandable, but I didn't expect, and I don't know if anybody expected to be the worst team no. in football this no, and first year. And here's the thing that's really mind blowing: that wasn't a bad team. No, <laughs> that, no, it wasn't. That I mean, was he, not a bad team. What he traded two of the three best players on the yes. teams already, and yeah. one of them is pretty close to being on his way out. I understand not it's this year since he passed the trade, trade deadline, but Derek Carr is probably cl- out of there. Yeah, probably. I mean, his guaranteed money is up after this year, so he is he is. They don't have to pay him at the rest of the no, way, but if, it's if just, they don't want to. It's just unbelievable because two years ago, that's a playoff team. Two yeah. years ago, that is a a really good team that that I think would have gotten to the Super Bowl had Derek Carr not gotten hurt. And next thing you know, they're one and seven on their way to the number one pick in the draft, and they just look lost. They yeah. look clueless. Um, it's unbelievable. Derek it's, Carr was an MVP candidate two years Before ago. Before he got hurt. Yep. Yeah. He, he would have won it. He would have won it. And the Col- it was against the Colts, too. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they have they have offensive talent. They had Amari Cooper. They had Martavis Bryant, who they traded for. Jordy Nelson they traded for. Jared Cook, a good tight end. They had they, talent there, and they, yeah. they've messed it up. One and seven now. Crazy. Today's business brought to you by Grossman St. Amore CPAs. Look ahead to 2019 with Grossman St. Amore CPAs. Remain focused with today's business on helping clients prosper by providing comprehensive accounting, auditing, tax planning, and tax preparation services. Visit GSACPAs.com. Let's take a time out. Steve Andrus on the other side.